Amen. Well, it's been a hot minute since I've been with you all. It's been three weeks. Uh, We didn't have a worship service on Christmas Day due to the weather, the blizzard that came in just right before Christmas Day. And we were in Michigan last Sunday. And so thank you, John, uh, for filling in for me last week. And so three weeks, a lot has happened uh, in the past three weeks in the uh, McLean household. Right after we worshiped with you all three weeks ago, we went down to South Carolina to celebrate Christmas with Jamie's family and other friends in the area. And we had a great time with family and friends celebrating Christmas down there in South Carolina. Our trip there was actually extended a day uh, due to the blizzard that came through large chunk of the country. We, we didn't want to drive through the bulk of the blizzard when it was coming through. So we actually drove home on Christmas Eve. Our drive home was extended by a few hours due to the poor road conditions. Uh, the only thing worse than a long car drive is a longer car drive. Uh, that was not a blast. Uh, but on Christmas Day, we were supposed to be with you all, uh, worshiping our Heavenly Father together as a family. Uh, but it turns out we had to cancel services due to the poor weather. And so we had a originally planned to head up to Michigan right after our worship service on Sunday, um, but our trip was actually delayed uh, because of the weather, and a couple members of my family got sick right before. And so the following day on Monday, we packed up all of our bags into the vehicle to head up to Michigan, and if you got a wife who cares for your kids, your two lovely kids, and she's going to make sure everything is packed for She's got everything that we need, possibly need, for the trip. So there's lots to pack, and we got all packed up into the vehicle, and and try to start the car, and oh no, the car won't start. And so I'm messing with it for about an hour. I'm not a car guy by any means uh, necessary. So after about an hour of playing with I can't jump start at nothing, I had to unload it all, switch over the car seats. We wanted to leave in the afternoon, give uh, the roads a tiny bit of time to melt heading up to Michigan. But it was late enough where after we had to load up the car, unload it, switch the car seats, that we didn't want to drive that day as I didn't want to drive uh, throughout the night in the poor weather. So our trip was delayed another day. And so Tuesday afternoon, we were finally able to head up to Michigan. Uh, Jamie, bless her heart, was crammed in the back of our uh, little car uh, with two car seats and a bunch of luggage for a week. Uh, But we had a great time in Michigan. We got back uh, this past Tuesday night, and we got home, and we found out that our car was working, so that was great to hear. I guess it was too cold uh, earlier for some reason. And then Thursday rolls around, and it's time to put the kiddos to bed, and so we're giving them a bath, and we give them a bath at the same time. And so Ayla got done first, and so Jamie took Ayla out of the bathroom bathroom, took her, got her dressed, took her downstairs and such. And Ezra and I are in the bathroom. He's taking a bath. He loves bath time. He loves playing around in the bath. I, I told him, all right, kid, it's time, it's time to get done. And he's still not want to get done. So I, I just plug, uh, unplug the drain right then and there. That's what I always do. Uh, and so I unplug the drain. And then 15 seconds later, Jamie comes running up the stairs saying, our ceiling is leaking. Uh, and so we find out uh, that our upstairs bathrooms are both out of commission uh, due to probably the pipes bursting while we were gone in the cold weather. So we only have a half bath uh, downstairs. So we weren't able to shower or anything. Uh, but don't worry, Jamie showered at the Kane's house. And uh, insurance actually paid for a hotel until it's fixed. And so so all we have to pay is a standard deduction for all of it. So last night, I stayed at a hotel uh, by myself because Jamie wanted to take the kids uh, with us in one hotel room. So I was by myself in a hotel room. But the good news is I showered this morning. 
That's the good news. And so I should, yes, praise God. And so we had a great time in the past three weeks celebrating Christmas with both sides of the family, but we definitely ran into some issues that we did not want to go through. I cannot say it was my desire uh, to have our trip to Michigan delayed by two uh, days for uh, separate reasons. Can't say it was my desire for our car not to work and not starting up after loading it all up. And I certainly cannot say that it was our desire uh, to have plumbing issues. And now I know for a fact that we are not the only ones where these kind of things happen to us. Everybody. Everybody has to endure through various struggles, annoyances, inconveniences, trials, you name it. We all have things happen to us that we don't want or we don't desire. So my question for you all this morning is how do we reconcile this fact of life that undesirable things happen to us? Meanwhile, the scriptures tell us he, being God, will give you the desires of your heart. How do we reconcile these two things? That's probably something you had, you had heard quoted before in your life, that God gives us the desires of our heart. And so what's the deal? Is God a liar? Is God uh, thinking he was capable of giving us the desires of our heart, but turns out he's not capable of giving us the desires of our heart? Is, is his power limited? What exactly is taking place here? We have two, two ideas, concepts that seem to contradict one another. So this morning, that's all we're going to be doing this morning is we're going to be taking a look at this concept that God gives us the desires of our heart and how we reconcile this with the fact that undesirable things still happen to us pretty much on a daily basis. So people get this notion that God gives us the desires of our heart from, Psalm, from the 37th Psalm. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Psalm 37. Psalm 37, and it's found in verse 4 where we get this idea that God gives us the desires of our heart. And so Psalm 37, 4 reads, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And so right off the bat, we can see that this statement that God gives us the desires of our heart to be a tiny bit misleading because we see this is not an unconditional statement. God does not give everybody the desires of their heart. There is a condition that needs to be met. This condition is we find out we need to delight ourselves in the Lord. And it's then when we delight ourselves in the Lord, that he will give you the desires of your heart. And so our joy, our satisfaction, what we strive for must be in the Lord Yahweh. Other things can bring us happiness and satisfaction. However, our true desires must rest in God. Nowhere else can we find true life, true joy, and true delight apart from God. Nothing can completely satisfy us other than God. That's where we see a, a lot of uh, people have issues. They put all of their hope, all of their joy, all their passion into their spouse and their spouse can't meet those standards. They put all their joy, all their expectations, all their desire into their children, 
and no child, certainly our two children can, cannot meet uh, those expectations. I don't know about your children, uh, but, but no, ch- no child can meet those expectations when you put all of your desire, all of your joy, all of your hope in them. The only thing, the only being that we can put all of our joy, satisfaction, all of our desire in is God. That's the only being that we will find satisfaction when we, when we delight ourselves in the Lord. And when we do that, when, when we put our delight in the Lord, then God will give us the desires of our heart. So we have to understand there, there's a condition there. It's not, it's not an unconditional statement. God doesn't just give everybody the desires of your heart. But, but the scriptures uh, read, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, if you're anything like me, uh, th- th- this statement still makes me a bit uneasy. As I believe that I delight in the Lord, and I, and I certainly uh, do not desire to have plumbing issues. Yet, here I am thinking that, that, that I am delighting in the Lord, and yet things are happening to me that I do not desire. And so something, something still isn't clicking quite right here. Something needs to be reconciled. Well, well maybe one can reason that I'm not delighting in the Lord. Uh, well, one could make that argument that, that maybe, Kyle, you're, you're not receiving the desires of your heart because you are not delighting in the Lord. Fair point. Then I would ask, what about Jesus? The night before Jesus was crucified, it was his desire that the cup pass over him. That's what he prayed to to his heavenly father in the garden of Gethsemane. The the night before he was crucified, he knew what was coming his way. Ultimately, thank goodness, he submitted to the will of the father. Not not my will, father, but yours be done. But I don't think it was Jesus' desire to have to die on the cross based off his prayer and the fact that, that Luke accounts that he is sweating drops of blood. If someone is sweating drops of blood, that's a pretty good indicator that they are going through something that they do not desire. And now you cannot tell me, you, you can tell me that, hey, you can maybe make the argument that, that I'm not de- delighting in the Lord or, or anybody else is not delighting in the Lord, but you cannot tell me that Jesus was not delighting in the world. If there's one person in all the world who, who perfectly fulfills this, it's Christ Jesus. And so to me, it appears something more, something different is still taking place in this scripture. And so I did a lot of uh, digging around with this passage uh, this past week. I read a lot of different people's opinions on what this passage means, what, what it's trying to imply. And from my studies, I found three common uh, solutions to this uh, difficult text. It's, it's kind of similar uh, to what we're going through in our at-home uh, Bible study. We're going through different difficult texts of the scripture um, in, in regards to who God is. And here we, we're, we're presented with a difficult text of a fact of life where, where it appears, where, where the scriptures say, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That, that is a difficult text to reconcile. And, and so we must familiarize ourselves with different solutions or interpretations to this passage. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to go through uh, three, uh, pretty quickly, three different uh, common interpretations or solutions to this passage that we can reconcile this fact that we may be delighting in the Lord and yet undesirable things still happen to us today. 
And so uh, I'm not going to tell you uh, guys which way to interpret this passage. You need to be a student of the Bible yourself. I'm here to aid you in your quest of being a student of the Bible, but I am certainly not here to be the student of the Bible for you. This is something that you have to diligently seek out as we all have to be diligently studying God's word on as close to a daily basis as possible. And who knows, I could way out in left field as far as my interpretations, my, my thinkings with uh, Psalm 37, verse four. Uh, but when taking a look at these different interpretations, different approaches, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing approach. So without further ado, kind of three uh, different common interpretations, common solutions to this uh, difficult passage in Psalm 37, uh, verse 4. The, the first is the idea that a, a handful of people interpret this passage and seeing how God transforms our desires. When we delight ourselves in God, we see change in our lives. I mean, we, we see that all the time, people proclaiming, confessing their, their faith to God and his son, Jesus, and living that out on a daily basis, and they have a changed life. Their life, depending on the person, it may look dramatically different than what it looked like before they had Christ. I, I love those dramatic stories of someone completely going down the wrong path, getting into all sorts of bad things, and then they have this dramatic turn, this dramatic change as they are seeking God, as they are delighting themselves in the Lord. And one of those changes that we experience when we delight in the Lord, when, when we have a living and active faith, is that what we desire changes. We begin to desire things that follow along with God's will. So no longer do we have selfish ambitions and selfish desires, but our ambitions, our desires line up with the will of God. And so many people interpret this to mean that God will then grant those desires to you that fit along with his will if we are delighting ourselves in the Lord. Another thing that we have to take a look at when, when taking a look at this passage is we need to consider the original writing in Hebrew. Uh, the large majority of the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. Can anybody read Hebrew? I can't, no. Uh, and and uh, the New Testament uh, was written in Greek as well. So I can't read Hebrew. I am no Hebrew scholar, unfortunately. Fortunately for us, though, there, there are many helpful tools out there to help us understand the original writings in Hebrew. And one such tool is an interlinear, where you can read the original Hebrew uh, writings or, or uh, the, the very old uh, manuscripts of the Hebrew writings, the Hebrew scriptures. And right along that, we have the English translation. And so right on top, the Hebrew, and then right underneath that, the, the English translations of each of these different uh, Hebrew words that were written in these manuscripts. And so the English translation, it does not try to make sense. That, that is not their purpose in, in an interlinear Bible, taking a look at two different translations. But the, but the purpose of an interlinear is they're trying to follow the original as close as possible. And so one uh, Hebrew-English uh, interlinear that I have on my computer, uh, th this translation reads, and you have to pay careful attention because it's not in common day English. It's not meant for us to easily understand, but it's just taking literally translation word by word. And it reads, and take one's pleasure in on Yahweh and give to you desire heart you. And take one's pleasure in on Yahweh and give to you desire heart you. 
And so maybe a, a closer translation uh, to the original uh, could read, take one's pleasure in Yahweh and he will give to you desires of your heart. We're, we're, we're missing that definite article there. It is a very small uh, difference, but most translations read, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And it seems more of uh, an all-inclusive when you add uh, the definite article there. Um, but God gives us uh, desires of our heart. And so maybe when we take pleasure in, in God and we delight in God, that he will give us desires of our heart, uh, but maybe not necessarily all of them. I don't know, uh, just a thought by some. Uh, another uh, possible interpretation, a possible solution to this passage. Again, I'm not here to tell you uh, how to interpret this passage, but I'm here to tell you how different people um, interpret this passage. And then finally, we should always, always, always remember to keep the larger context in mind. We start with just a simple phrase, God gives you the desires of your hearts. And we took a look at the context of the full verse. And this helped grant us more clarity on this passage that, hey, this isn't an unconditional statement. God doesn't just grant everybody the desires of their heart, but there's a condition that we must delight ourselves in the Lord and he will give you the desires or he'll give you desires of your heart. And so what happens if we broaden that context even more? Do we get any more clarity on what uh, David here is writing? And so Psalm 37, uh, this is a a wisdom psalm by David. It's meant to pass on wise sayings. It would fit in really well with the book of Proverbs. If you're someone who who really enjoys the book of Proverbs and and a lot of just really wise daily application words of advice to apply to your life, then, then this is a psalm for you. And so in this psalm uh, that David writes here, there are four major themes of this psalm. Uh, Four major themes, one dwelling in the promised land. We see another major theme of the seemingly unjust prosperity of the wicked. And you know how the wicked, they are getting rich, they're prospering in this life, and it seems so unjust that this would happen. That's another theme of this psalm. Uh, Another major theme of this psalm is that we see the ultimate destruction of the wicked, that in the end, the, the wicked will not prosper. They will be destroyed. And then finally, we see God's protection of the righteous. And so this wisdom psalm in particular focuses on the fate of the wicked in contrast to the fates of the righteous. An interesting uh, side note uh, about this psalm that we don't see in the English, uh, for those of us who aren't uh, Hebrew scholars, uh, this is a mostly complete acrostic poem, uh, meaning uh, beginning a line with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet in consecutive order. Uh, Some uh, people who write uh, poems, I'm I'm not much into poems. I I know a handful of you are into poems. Anita is the one that always comes to my mind. When I think of poems, I always think of Anita. I don't might, you might need to write us an acrostic poem sometime, Anita. But here, the, the David's writing, he's writing a poem, and he's going through the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, the odd verses follow this acrostic pattern. But it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty long psalm. A lot of the psalms are pretty short, but this one is pretty long. So we aren't going to read all of it here this morning. But I do want to read the first 11 verses to you. The first 11 verses of this psalm give a pretty good snapshot of the entirety of this psalm. And so David here, he's writing in verse 1 of Psalm 37. He says, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. 
Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as is the light, and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoer shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. And so here we see the, the, the contrast between the wicked and the righteous in these first 11 verses. And again, this continues throughout the entirety of the psalm. I encourage you guys, when you go home uh, this afternoon, to read through uh, Psalm 37. It, it's, a, it's a beautiful contrast between the wicked and the righteous. But here in the first 11 verses, we, we see this contrast and how the wicked, they may, they may prosper temporarily. And, and David here, he says in verse 1, fret not yourself because of of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. You know, we may see people who, who are evil, committing sin after sin after sin, who are not living a life pleasing to God. And we may see that today they may prosper. But David says, don't worry about it. Don't fret yourselves over this. Why? Because for they will soon fade like the grass and weather like the green herb. And so the, the, these wicked people, they may prosper temporarily, but they're going to wither just like the grass. They're, they're, they're going to fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. They are going to be destroyed in the end. So don't be envious of people who live a life of sin and seem to have some sort of prosperity in uh, this temporary life. And we also see, on the other hand, that God will take care of the righteous, and we saw just a couple instances of this, and this same theme continues throughout the rest of the psalm, where ultimately the righteous will inherit the land. They will inherit the land. Now, what is the land? I believe it's in reference to the covenant that God established with Abraham and that his offspring, that the offspring of Abraham would inherit the promised land. And I think we are that offspring. We, we, the, the followers of Christ are heirs according to the promise that God made with Abraham. And so we will inherit the land of the coming kingdom. I think that's when we, we, when we will partake of this land and God's coming kingdom, where God's kingdom will descend from heaven to earth, and we will permanently, for all of eternity, inherit the land. That is is what is at stake for the righteous. We will inherit the land, the land. And so in due time, we will receive the desires of our heart in the coming kingdom. In due time, all, and I mean all, all, all is a big word, but all of our worries, pains, struggles, they will all be gone. And I am ready for that day. And so when reading this verse in the context of this psalm, we don't come away with, at least I don't come away with the notion that God is a genie that, that grants our every wish. And thank goodness, uh, that would be a disaster. 
If God granted our every wish, our every desire, like, like a genie, like from uh, the movie Aladdin, and the genie provides them three wishes, that, that would be a big disaster at hand. But, but that's not how God seems to function as we see throughout the rest of the scriptures. But if you do delight in God, he will bless you. And in due time, I firmly believe that he will provide you the desires of your heart. So when I read this difficult passage, Psalm 37, for I come away uh, with two key, t- two key takeaways I want to share with you all this morning. Is number one, we cannot take scripture out of context. To me, this scripture makes a whole lot more sense when we consider the context of the entire verse. Because remember, we we just start with with the statement, he will give you the desires of your heart. When we look at the context, we see that's not an unconditional statement. There's condition that needs to be met for our desires uh, to uh, be met. And and we see that condition is we must delight ourselves in the Lord. So even when we just look at the very small context of the verse, we see that it begins to make more sense. And then when we look at it with, with the context of the rest of this psalm, we, we can then gain more clarity as well. And then with every passage of the scripture, we, we must put it in context of the rest of the scriptures as well. Does our interpretation of a certain verse, of a certain passage, does it line up with, with what the rest of the scriptures teach us? And so Never, never, never take a scripture out of context. I see a lot of people uh, do that on the internet. They, they'll take one statement, one line from the Bible, and they will try and make it mean something completely different than what it was originally intended. Second big takeaway from this passage is that God blesses those who delight in him. No, I don't think that God is a genie who grants our every wish, and thank goodness. However, I fully believe that God blesses those who delight in him, both in the age to come and the present age in which we live today. As we are filled with the spirit of God, we we are filled with the fruit of the spirit, the, 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 the spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self control. We're filled with that fruit. We're blessed with the church community. We're blessed that we, that we don't have to mourn by ourselves, but we have a heavenly father who loves and cares for us on a daily basis. We have fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in the church that lift our burdens when we need our burdens lifted. I think God blesses us today in this age when we delight ourselves in the Lord. I've seen that time and time again, both in my life, in the life of those around me, and the life of people of the church, it's consistent. God blesses those who delight themselves in the Lord in this present age, but also in the age to come. Whereas we see in this psalm that the righteous will inherit the land. The righteous will inherit the land that God promised to Abraham. And we find out uh, through, through the writings uh, of Galatians and Paul talks about how we now are heirs according to that promise. We will inherit that land. We, the righteous, we, the children of God, we will inherit that land. And so we will be blessed. Every single desire of our heart will be met when we inherit that land. All of our worries, all of our fears, all of our temptations, all of our trials, all of our pain, it will all be gone 
when we inherit that land in the coming kingdom. So when we delight in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. And yet, that could be a true statement, and yet there are times when a Christian desires something good, maybe a spouse, maybe a better job, maybe kids or a relationship fix. Those are good desires, it seems. But sometimes God chooses to not fulfill those desires in our life. Why? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't, unfortunately, I do not have that answer. Each situation is unique. But don't feel like you are doing something wrong if God doesn't grant your good desires in life. One day, these things will be revealed to us and the pain and the struggle that we'll temporarily go through will be replaced with indescribable joy, indescribable satisfaction, peace, comfort, you name it. And we will see our Heavenly Father face to face when we inherit that land. So as we begin this new year, I want to encourage you all this morning to stay the course. Stay the course because God blesses those who delight in him and he will, in the end, give you the desires of your heart. may not be the exact timing that you want, but in due time, he will give you the desires of your heart if you delight in him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being a good father to us, father who presents us with good gifts. Father, we recognize that all good gifts come from you. Father, we thank you that you do grant us the desires of our heart, whether in our timing or not. Father, I just pray that each and every one of us here this morning, we stay the course, that we seek to delight in you, that, that we seek to please you day in and day out of our lives. Father, we cannot wait for that day and age where your son will establish your kingdom here on earth, and we will inherit the land, and all of our pain, all of our struggles, and all of our worries will be taken care of. Until that day comes, Father, I pray that you watch over us and ensure that we delight in you. It's in Christ's precious and holy name that we pray. Amen.